from from that point I, I was a believer in technology being the difference between uh, living a life with barriers and without. This is a game changer. How can I do this in the most normal, what's viewed as normal way possible? I could crawl off of the train. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. There was nobody there. So I told myself, okay, I, I really want to travel to experience. What is actually stopping me from, nah, man, you can't do that. You're handicapped. Or be the ones who change the world. But changing your perspective changes what you see in life. See, as a disabled employee, we often feel like we have to work that much harder. I had no choice but to do it. And I just kicked the wheelchair down the stairs. Travel is not accessible for me. People with disability are worth less. So today's guest, Andre Valdez, is an entrepreneur and DEI consultant helping businesses become more inclusive. And in today's conversation, we spoke about how limiting beliefs and challenging those beliefs helped Andre become a solo traveler. Yes, you heard me right, a solo traveler that is also a disabled person. Two things that you don't often hear mentioned in the same sentence. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Not Quite Podcast. I'm Charlie Randall. Let's get ready to rewrite the rule book. So welcome back to the Not Quite Pod. Today we've got Andre with us. Andre, do you want to introduce yourself after taking a sip of your coffee? Uh, yeah, hi guys, I'm Andre, I live with Cerebral Palsy, and I'm happy to be on the Not Quite Podcast. What else should I say about myself, Charlie? Anything and anything, really? Um, okay, you know, I have Cerebral Palsy, so I call myself retarded a lot of the times. So. <laughs> but um, basically, I met Charlie over Instagram, which was the most funny an interesting way to meet someone. And he told me about not quite politically correct. And I think that one of the reasons why he wants me on this show is because I've been solo traveling the world over the last couple of months and also challenging my fears and limiting beliefs. On the side, I work as a consultant for multiple companies doing various things, but mainly focused on HR and DEI consulting. But that's not what we're here for today. What we're here for today is to be not quite politically correct. Perfect. <laughs> I'm just going to hand over hand over everything to you now. You can just take over. <laughs> um, so like, let's go back a little bit. Um, obviously, you've got cerebral palsy like me, but how does yours affect you? Like, What are some of your daily struggles? What do you find difficult? What do you find easy? How is it sort of adapting the different things that you do? Yeah, so for me mainly, I, I think it's called cerebral palsy diplegia for the doctors out there. And then for the people who don't know, it basically means that I look like, I walk like I have to pee all the time or I drink a lot, a lot of alcohol. So sometimes the cops excuse me for being drunk when I'm not actually drunk, but that's okay. I'm used to that by now. Um, but the way that it affects me in my daily life is that like uh, I struggle with standing up straight. Um, so I often, uh, you know, look like I'm going to have the hunchback of Notre Dame when I get older. Um, but it also affects the way I write. But you've probably already also seen that from Charlie's Instagram posts of when he tries to write love letters to his loved one. Right? Um, and I think that that's a common trend among people that, you know, have cerebral palsy. Uh, other than that, um, yeah, it, it mainly affects my legs. And so everything that comes in your day-to-day -day with affecting your legs, 
Um, that's how it does. I do once in a while get spasms that are freakishly hilarious because they come at the most inconvenient times. Yeah. I'll give you guys a quick story. Um, I just recently bought myself a, a, a beautiful mug to drink coffee out of that was made handcrafted out of porcelain. And I was like, yeah, this is a good investment. <laughs> Not two days later did my hand decide to kick the table over. Because I didn't learn my lesson the first time, I bought another one. And basically a day after I bought it, it happened again. So that's my life. It's pretty expensive. But other than that, I'm pretty, you know, pretty happy. Dude, why the fuck did you buy it in the first place? You know how this thing works. Dude, it just it just looked really cool. It wasn't my favorite color, and it you know it just just for for the for the three days that I had them, the coffee tasted so much better. <laughs> 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 oh, this is the first time I'm crying on the podcast. <laughs> oh wow! For those that don't know, it's quite a regular trait to do things like that. Like, I've kicked a friend before in the face because they were like, let, we were in a park. I was sitting in my wheelchair. And um, and basically, I've, I had a spasm and kicked them in the face. So that's quite a normal behavior for us to just kick random things or like kick random things over. I've even sliced my toe open through a, uh, through a spasm. So basically, it was like six o'clock in the morning. Um, and I was getting up for training <laughs> and basically I moved something in the kitchen and basically I, I almost dropped it and out of habit as I've got to drop it because I've panicked I've kicked my foot out and I've kicked like the bottom of the oven and it's like this it's got like a metal shielding below it I literally sliced the top off of my toe oh god man <laughs> And, and the worst thing was, six months later, I did the exact same thing. I dropped a loaf of bread and did the exact same thing. Oh, did you yeah. finally move the stove though, or did you also not learn your lesson? No, I've just, <laughs> I've just learned when I'm in the kitchen, wear shoes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Literally, I was like, I've just got to wear shoes whenever I go in the kitchen now. <laughs> oh, oh, but yes, so... I think we fair. I think we've got fairly similar um, capabilities in terms of how disability affects us. You mentioned obviously, like you mentioned about my terrible handwriting and your terrible handwriting. How does it like obviously here in in the UK when we go through school, college, all of that stuff, we get like scribes or support with a laptop? How does that work? Because I, I know you grew up in the US, so how did that how did that work when you were going through like the education process? So unfortunately, <laughs> when I was going the education process I, I mean I didn't have the uh, fortune of having people in my surroundings or environment that knew much about disability assistance so I was always trying to do find ways to do things on my own I didn't have like people that helped me uh, write or anything like that but what I did was what I was able to negotiate at the time was that I get more time to do things and yeah. then of course as, as laptops became more re relevant and more regular in education, I was able to use um, my laptop to start doing everything related to education, which was especially easy because my university was online. So I, I was so happy no longer having to, um, to write with my hand. 
because I always, always, always got the comment that I'm a doctor when I'm not. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. If we um, if we were doctors, we would have fixed this stuff ages ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like yeah. No, it's just like thank you for the compliment. I'm just retarded. Like this is yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not that well educated. But thanks. Yeah. It's like yeah, it's 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 God given. I'm afraid it's not, <laughs> it's not my choice. It's like I, <laughs> like I don't know about you, but like I very rarely write stuff down. Like I I always type it or or write it on my phone because most of the time I can't read my own writing. I don't know whether that's just me or have, have you got so, that as well? I, I have dyslexia on top of writing really yep, shitty. Yeah, yeah. I literally I either voice record, I record a video, or I write it down on my on my phone and i'm telling you like i didn't have a phone until i was like i I mean i didn't have a good phone where you could write shit down until i was like 22 so i was like when i got that phone i was like this is a game changer like from (laughs) from that i I was a believer in technology being the difference between uh living a life with barriers and without Right, because now I can actually write love letters and people can understand it. It's like, <laughs> well, if you're any good at writing those, that is. <laughs> yeah. um, so you mentioned about like you mentioned it there, like obviously a lot of the work you do is sort of making uh, making life more accessible. And I know you've mentioned that um, you, you're currently on a bit of a mission to travel the world with a disability. How did that whole whole thing come around because i know we've spoken about it in length but obviously for the listeners how did that idea come come around okay just just for the sake of the listeners patience <laughs> what would you like to hear the short the short version or the dramatic version like, oh, uh, oh can you give us a combo of both because i feel like the dramatic the, you need some of the drama for it to make sense okay okay i'll, I'll try i'll try to combine it so uh, the, the middle story is kind of like um, when the pandemic happened, we all experienced a shift. And before the pandemic, I was very much focused on working with uh, creatives, you know, um, specifically on working with them to develop the skills to sell their creative creations. Oh, look at me, English dictionary. Um, <laughs> uh, but- Then the pandemic happened and kind of like my whole business model just didn't make any sense for me anymore. And it was the first time in many years that I had the chance to be with myself, by myself. And I realized that there was a lot of things that I wanted to do that I told myself I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, also tumbling down into a depression because I was like, okay, I just spent the last three years building a business that now no longer works. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Right. Uh, and so I just started spending time with myself after I got inspired by a documentary on Bill Gates uh, that was called Inside Bill Gates Mind. And they talked about Bill Gates doing a, um, uh, a think week where all he would do is he would read books and he would, you know, be with himself. Mm. Uh, and so that's what I did, but I did it not by reading books, but by journaling. Mm. And what I had realized is that um, there were a lot of things that I didn't do or wouldn't do either because um, I was too afraid or because someone else had told me I couldn't do them. 
And of course, I realized that the way that I was talking to myself when I was with myself, like my brain telling me whenever I did succeed or did not succeed, how I communicated with myself was was really, really, really bad. Hmm. So um, I started thinking, you know, I need a change of pace. What's the best way to get a change of pace? Well, I've always wanted to travel, like really, really travel. Like I've commuted from different countries before to you know, from the U.S. to Germany to live there for a while. But I didn't really travel to experience. So I told myself, okay, I really want to travel to experience. What is actually stopping me from doing that? That was the first question I asked myself. And then I realized that I had a lot of excuses. So excuses such as like, oh, you know, travel is not accessible for me because, you know, things could break or I could get stuck in an elevator. Like one of my biggest fears before I started traveling was being in a place I don't know, um, stuck and not able to get out on my own or get a hold of someone that could help me. Mm. So that was one of the biggest fears that held me back. But then with time, I said, okay, I'm going to do a year where I'm going to do everything I do not feel like doing and everything that I'm afraid of. Mm. So in order to do that, I needed to understand what that was. Yep. So I started journaling with myself, like having – this is going to sound a little bit retarded, but having conversations with myself, right? Yeah. Like I'm a schizophrenic, but basically on paper. And that's basically putting my thoughts on paper so that I can understand what is it actually that, I, that I'm that i thinking that's not helping me do the things that I want to do, that's not serving me. And so I started doing that and then I realized, okay, I have those fears. I have that fear of being stuck. That's one of the reasons why I don't travel. What's the best thing I can do to stop that? Well, I can just try it, Right. So the first thing that I did is I talked to the environment that I did have and I told them, hey, I want to travel. They were like, great, we'll plan it and we'll go together with you. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to travel by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, man, you can't do that. You're handicapped. You're fucking retarded. And it's like, "Um, you're crazy. What if you get hurt? What if, you know, blah, 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 all, all kinds of things, right? And this was the first time in my life that when someone said something negative, like, like I didn't send them to hell. Like I usually, cause I don't, I don't believe in negative bullshit, but I actually sat down and I accepted that as a real concern from people who cared about me. And so I turned the conversation around and I said, okay, what would need to happen to make it possible? And from there, I took what I thought were my limited limitations from my perspective and their limitations from their perspective. And we wrote them down. And then step by step, I, I started trying to eliminate them or alleviate them, right? And that's how I got to the point where I started solo traveling. And ever since then, you know, I visited the U.S. again, but this time to, you know, really travel around and see some cities. I visited, you know, uh, Mexico, also some various cities to, to get to know them. And so also to answer the question, how accessible are these places and what is actually missing for them to become so accessible that we can travel on our own? Because what I realize, what I really want is not to travel. What I really want is to be independent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like being an independent artist, self-made record. I'm talking about like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be politically incorrect here. Being able to wipe my own ass yeah. when I need to wipe my own ass, right? Yeah. So 
that that's kind of like what I'm talking about in a metaphorical sense. Yeah. So that's how that that was the journey, and that's how it started. So the drama part was, you know, losing losing the opportunity of the business I had, but in that loss, I had a lot of gain. That's mad. Yeah. That's crazy. So what would be like what what, what were probably your biggest challenges? So over what was your biggest challenge that you overcame by doing all this traveling, and sort of what what were the things that you found difficult and sort of how did you overcome those? Okay, I'm going to say something that's probably not as relatable as I think it is. Mm. But I realized that the biggest challenge that I continuously need to overcome is my brain. Because my brain is actually my biggest disabling factor. Yeah. In the sense of like what I believe is what I'm what I'll do and what I believe I can't do is what I won't do, right? Um, and so if I don't have any proof that I can do something, I won't even try it because we're so used to being comfortable. Uh, and so I consistently, throughout this journey, I'm consistently developing methods to help myself remind myself, hey, I'm, sa- I'm, I'm telling myself I can't before I've even tried or I'm telling myself I don't want to because I'm comfortable. Hmm. Let's do it anyway, right? Um, but from a physical sense, what the barriers were that I needed to overcome and the ones that I'm most happy about overcoming is actually the most simplest shit. So I used to believe that I couldn't, you know, I couldn't uh, cook. I couldn't, uh, like, do my own dishes. I mean, I could do my own dishes, but I couldn't do my own wash, my own clothes and stuff like that. So I always had someone that was doing that for me because it was, you know, I was living in a, in a house that had no... Um, had no accessibility. So there were stills without railing and the washing machine was down the stairs. So I always thought to myself, okay, that's just something that I have to take for granted and I have to uh, pay someone to do that for me. Well, once I was on the trip, I realized I could do all those things because I had no choice but to find them out. Yeah, I had no choice but to do it. Otherwise, the option would have been my, my clothes smell really bad, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think strong enough incentive to be like, okay, maybe, you know what, maybe there is a solution. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And and, uh, multiple barriers that I had to overcome was like answering the question, how the F do I I transport my my luggage, right? And how much luggage do I actually need uh, to, to get around? And then I realized that, okay, literally everything that I thought that was because of my disabled my disability and a disabling factor of why I couldn't do things can be solved with existing tools or I have to create them. Right. And so that the biggest learning for me was that there's always a way it's just, do you have the perspective to take a moment and to be like, okay, what would easy look like? Yeah. Right. And and I think that that's the most valuable lesson that I've learned of it. And, and Yeah. I think I completely agree. Like uh, one thing I've noticed about myself is that almost whenever you have a disability, you have this like innate social anxiety of like, oh no, I can't do that. I can't do this independently. I can't do this because it's not safe for me to do this. When actually you don't know unless you try it. Like it's something like me. Like I very rarely travel on the train on my own because I'm always terrified that the train will stop at a stop that I can't get off at. And then I'm just stuck in the middle of London not knowing where the hell to go, what to do. Um, it was quite funny. I was in, I was interviewing someone else um, for something else, and we were talking about it. And basically, her response was, 
You just need to be really stubborn because if that happens, you just contact the um, you just contact the like staff and refuse to let them go until they help you get off. Yeah, yeah, and I think that one of the other biggest things, like, there's actually two things I want to say about that. Number one, um, we as people with disability have to give get over the pride of asking for help. Yes, right, because everybody is is willing to help if you ask them correctly, right? Um, and if you're humble about it, right? If you're not an ass about it, you're, if you're not like, I'm disabled, so it's your it's your duty to help me. <laughs> yeah. And all that people will give you is diarrhea. That's like, that's all they'll give you, right? <laughs> um, but when you like getting over this this idea that you need to be able to do everything yourself, which is an idea that we don't get from ourselves, it's an idea that we get from our environment, right? Yeah. And then the second thing is to also understand that a lot of the, these fears and anxieties that we have, they're not actually our own. And I'm talking specifically about disability. Like there are fears and anxieties that you've experienced that are your own. But when it comes to your fears and anxieties surrounding things you can or cannot do with your disability, it mostly has to do with how did your parents treat you or how did your environment treat you or the things that you were attempting to do? How did they react to them when you tried to do them when you were still curious? Right. And so fundamentally what we need to understand is that we are not only being limited by physical limitations we can't control, but also by a society that has a very specific, specific and innate reaction to people who don't quote unquote function the way they do. Yeah. And so people project themselves onto people with disability and say, oh, if I were in that situation, I'd feel like shit. So that's why most people with disability, when they don't have a support system that understands that there's no difference, it's just a difference in how you do things, they feel like shit because they're taught to feel like shit, right? But not intentionally. It's not like the parents sit there and like, how can we, uh, how can we make a child feel like shit? No, it's not. It's they're doing it from a place of love, yeah, because they want people to have a, a good life, but they don't understand the consequence, right? So, if we understand that, and that that like what we're actually fighting is not that we're disabled, but what we believe is possible things become a lot easier. Yeah. And, right. and I think one realization I've just had with you speaking is like oftentimes when I, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit this now, oftentimes when I'm trying to find ways of doing stuff, I will view it as like, okay, what's like, how can I do this in the most normal, what's viewed as normal way possible to draw the least amount of attention to myself? Because there are ways like, it, worse, like in that scenario where I got stuck, if, if I got stuck on a train, realistically if worse came to worse i could crawl off of the train however i'm not going to do that because in my head i'm going oh that's just going to raise so many questions and concerns that i don't want to deal with what's your view on that like obviously i, I obviously as i just said i am completely guilty of that because whenever i now i sit there and go actually there are so many things that if i got this whole image out of my head of like oh no this retarded guy is like crawling on the floor this disabled guy is crawling on the floor then I'd yeah. probably be able to do it. Yeah, what, what I 
my my point of view is this. I'm actually super grateful that I have a disability because it taught me not to take myself so seriously. Right? And and if you think about it, the reason why you're not doing it is because you're taking yourself so seriously. But if you take a moment and think about it, dude, you've been having therapy probably all your life, like physical therapy. And 99% of the time, physical therapy is done in your underpants, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so if you think about yeah. that, you literally have nothing to hide, yeah. right? Like you literally have nothing to hide. And the thing is, I don't think about how does this look to other people. I think about what is it that I need or want to get done. Yeah. Right. So I'll give you an example. And I didn't always think like this, but there was a point where I had gotten stuck at a train station and it was like 2 a.m. in the morning. There was nobody there and probably nobody coming until like six o'clock in the morning. Right. And I, I had a choice. I either stay in the fucking cold until someone shows up or I find a solution, right? Now, was the solution the most beautiful? I'll let you judge that yourself because what I did is I took my, I, I stood up out of my wheelchair, I took the backpack, I put it on my back and I just kicked the wheelchair down the stairs because I had no choice, right? I had no choice, but you saw the wheelchair flying like, <laughs> right? And then I I did my best to get down the stairs however I could. Yeah. Like the only thing I was worried about was my laptop in the back because I need to work with that. That's why I put it on my back and I try to be as careful as possible. But what I realized is like I am not going to try to look pretty at the cost of wasting time, at the cost of missing an opportunity, at the cost of messing with my energy or my patience, right? Because the world will not change for me yeah. and it will not change for you either. Yeah. But what we can do is we can use our effort to find solutions until it does or be the ones who change the world. Yeah. Right. And that's how I think about it. So the next time I like, Whenever I find myself in a situation, if I can ask for help, that's my go-to. And I have no shame in it. Absolutely no fucking – I even make it funny. <laughs> like I'll, I'll even make it funny for myself. Like when someone has a specific view, you know when you know how some people talk to you when you have a disability? It's like, hey, man, are you okay? Yeah. yeah. Are you doing – like do you need some help? Like yeah. when they do that. Right, I go full retard on them. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I will buy into your vision of what this is. Great, <laughs> and I get what I need out of this, right? It's like because they're gonna go home and they're gonna say, "Hey, man, I helped someone with a disability today. I feel good about myself." Right? Yeah. This this superhero complex, right? Yeah. But I, at the end of the day, got what I needed, which was get off the fucking train, right? Yeah. So, so that's how I think about it. It's like. It's an exchange of value, always. Okay. And while I don't fully agree with the fact that people see people with disability as something less or ill. Yeah. That's the fact of the world right now. And I need to use that to get what I want because no one else will get what I want for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it's like almost... 
how did you obviously you've explained sort of the how you got to the process of overcoming those social anxieties and and getting over that but like what would be if i said to you make three key points of how to help someone get over that like social anxiety of oh no it doesn't look pretty or i don't want to ask for help because i want to be independent um yeah what would be your go-to sort of three things so get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And the best way of doing that is just putting yourself in little situations. I'll give you a concrete example. Like I'm talking really comfortable in front of the camera right now, really confident and so on and so forth. But what you guys won't know is that my palms are actually sweating because every time I get in front of the camera, I'm super nervous, right? And it's similar to social anxiety, right? Because I don't want to – I know because I write with myself, I speak to myself, I – I ask myself what's going on. I know that it's because I want this to be the best experience the listeners or viewers or you ever have. Yeah. Right? Because I'm internally, I think everyone with a disability has so much empathy that we, that as a byproduct, we, we want to be people pleasers because we know how fucked up life can be. Right. But it wasn't always like this. If, if, if Charlie would have asked me to go on to a podcast with him six months ago, I would have probably procrastinated like a motherfucker. And said, <laughs> at some point after nine months, I would have gotten back to him and be like, hey, man, I don't think this is for me. Because I had such a big fear of being in front of the camera. Because I had such a big fear of being recorded. Right. So the thing that I did, and I'm giving you a concrete example, and then I'm going to anal- I'm going to break it down into actual format, yeah. so you can adapt this into whatever you want, whatever situation you feel like you are. And I just want to say, if I didn't break it down enough for yeah, you, feel yeah. free to reach out to me or Charlie, so that you guys can both punch me in the face, right? So, um, um, anyway, so what I started doing is I just started turning on the camera, and just really doing ridiculous shit. Like I would sit in front of the camera. I would start going. I, just for people who are listening and not watching, I would start sticking my tongue out, put my finger in my nose, start screaming like a maniac. <laughs> First, I did that alone. Yeah. Right. And I realized, hey, it's funny. It's okay. I can always go back and look at this, and I'll feel great. Yeah. Right. But then I I upped the discomfort a little bit. Okay. I started doing it in front of friends. Right? I started pulling out the camera whenever we were sitting together yeah. and people were like, why the fuck are you pulling out the camera right now? And I'd be like, because I feel like documenting this moment. Yeah. And then I would start pulling out the cameras in places I'd, I'd feel like you shouldn't have a camera, right? Like, for example, at the airport, you shouldn't be walking around with a camera in your face. But I started doing that just so that I get comfortable yeah. with the idea of walking around with the stick and talking to myself. The I actually documented my whole process of traveling, like the first couple of travels that I did with like testing solo traveling, you know, having someone there for security purposes in case I go full retard, right? <laughs> or panic. And then grabbing like the, the trips that I made on my own. Yeah. But the thing is, in those first couple of trips, I couldn't grab any A roll of me being in the moment because whenever I turned on the camera, I was completely expressionless. So I was like, yeah, um, we're here <laughs> in front of this, and uh, it's cool. Yeah. But if they were 
if if they were capturing me in B-roll or if they were just if or if I was just holding the camera and capturing the moment, the emotion, I felt great. That was already 10 steps up for me. Right? And this is this is the important thing I want to emphasize. It was 10 steps up for me. Mm. Because the second part is to stop comparing yourself to people who are already further along on the journey than you are. Don't compare yourself to your friend who is extremely social, who gets along with everybody, who, who, who has the girl that looks amazing. Don't compare yourself to that person. That's defeating yourself. It doesn't help you. Yeah. Right? But now let's break it down to the format. Now I'm here and I'm still on my journey. Like I still haven't posted all the YouTube videos because I still overthink this shit. Right? But here's the process. Here's what I do on a daily basis. And it just takes five minutes a day. And who wouldn't want to invest five minutes in themselves every day? And this is what I did. If there's something that, that you want to do but it makes you uncomfortable, figure out what is the most easy thing of those things that you can do that still feels uncomfortable but it's manageable. Right. Yeah. So I love to give this example of the, the me being in front of the camera and making stupid faces. Right. That was I had the camera on. I was overthinking it, but I still just did stupid faces because they're easy to do. Yeah. But I, I achieved my goal being in front of the camera. Yeah. And then I did the next thing. And so the, the next suggestion is what is the, once you're comfortable with that, do it like 10 times, do it like 20 times. Or make it a daily routine if you really want to go hardcore. And, and then share with me how many crazy faces you made in a day, right? Um, but make it a daily routine to go there. And then once you feel comfortable going there, ask yourself, well, what would be the next quote-unquote crazy thing I could do, right? And then go from there and just keep stacking it up. Keep stacking those cards in your favor and when you're doing it, tell yourself that you're doing a good job, that you're proud of yourself, regardless of what other people say. Because at the end of the day, the only person that you're playing against and that you should compare yourself to is the person who you were yesterday if you don't like who that was. Yeah. Yeah, you're completely right. I mean, it's that whole thing of everything comes down to baby steps. Like, I I was the exact same as, as you. Obviously, now you look at me and you're like, oh, you're so comfortable in front of cameras, so comfortable recording. So I was terrified of, of deciding all of a sudden I'm going to be a YouTuber. I'm going to record everything. I'm going to go to Instagram. I'm going to do that as well. I was terrified. I didn't want to do any of it. I, I, I was like you. As soon as the camera came out, I was emotionless, didn't want to do anything. And now... I forget it's there, but then it's all, it all starts from just give it a go. And I think a lot of the time as well, take some reassurance. Obviously you've just said like, don't compare yourself to others, but also take into consideration that 95%, I can probably vouch that a good percentage of the disabled community have had the exact same feelings that you're currently having. So take, take pride in the, you're that like five percent, ten percent, fifteen percent. They're actually going. No, I'm going to do. I'm going to do something about this. And I'm going to change it because I think too much. We want it's, it's it's human nature. We want everything yesterday. 
We want the money. We want the cars. We want the confidence. We want the girls. We want the guys. We want everything yesterday. When actually we need to just, it comes back to that constant thing of you hearing all these motivational uh, books and entrepreneurial books of like, enjoy the process and going through that and realizing that you've actually grown and looking back and going, actually, like, like now I, I, I watch my old videos and go, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you doing that? Don't do that. <laughs> but it was just yeah. how I felt in that time. And then you look back and you go, actually, I've made progress. Like, uh, if you asked me two years ago, would I have been confident enough to go traveling with just my girlfriend to another country? Hell no, because that also meant that I needed her to help me with this. It also meant that she'd have to help me with this. I'd also have to figure out how I'm going to do this. But we did it. We figured it out. And my next step is to figure out how the fuck to do that on my own, <laughs> as I'm learning today and from Andre. It's like, you, you. I think we want it all yesterday, and it's taking that moment to go... It's okay not to be where you want to be straight away, but as long as you're stepping towards it or wheeling towards it in our in our case, um, you're on the right track. If that makes sense. It makes absolute sense. And one thing that I want to emphasize that a lot of people don't talk about, it starts with understanding where you are, right? Yeah. Because most of the times, the things that we think where we're at at that moment and the things that we want to do that's not where we're at. So it's very far out of our reach. And so taking the time to really understand in what situation you are, what your thoughts are, where you are and what you're doing in this moment that is either serving that idea, that project, that habit that you want to build is the most essential part of the process is self-awareness is the first step to that, to that, to changing anything that you want about your life. And that's why I keep saying like the most important thing is not to compare yourself to other people, but to ask yourself, why do you want these things in the first place? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because think about it. If money, like if money weren't an issue, what would you really want to do? If you're dying tomorrow, what would you really want to do? And most of the time we're going to say it's the things that we've already done, but that's not true. We actually, we'd like to experience something new before we die. Yeah. At least that's like that's what it's been for me. And I realized that the first step to changing to who you are is understanding where you're at and what new experiences could you get to give you a new experience, uh, to new to give you a new perspective. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. And I think as well what I really wanted to dive into with you, because I know you, you have very strong beliefs about your um your you have strong thoughts on like limit people's limiting belief constructs in terms of like your view is that 95% of what we say we can't do is that is because of a certain thought that we've had and obviously we've touched on that already in this episode where it's all about like that thought of I can't do this I can't do that but where did like your beginning of that thought did that thought process come around when you started the traveling thing or is that something that you developed even earlier than that or where did it come from? Can you be a little bit more specific about the question? Because I want to make sure that I really hit it home. So, like, where so this your whole um, belief system of like people people's things that's limiting them is their limiting beliefs. Where did that like? How did you arrive at that conclusion? Like, when did that start? Did that start when you started the traveling journey, or was that before then? 
I arrived at that conclusion the moment I started journaling with myself. Okay. Because the moment I started journaling with myself and writing down just my thoughts without judging them and then asking myself why, why I did or did not do those things, why why am I telling myself this at this yep. moment? Yeah. Right? It became very clear, very, very clear that and I, I want to be very specific about this, like fixing your head, quote unquote, there's nothing that needs to be fixed, but changing your perspective changes what you see in life, right? So right now you're looking through a lens of your life, most likely that's a script you've been passive about. So it's experiences that you've experienced. It's things that people told you. You've never done a conscious choice about what you're thinking. Right? It's always a byproduct of what you consume. When I realized in that moment that the byproduct of what I consumed was hurting me, it was making me depressed, it was making me having false beliefs about what it means to be a business person. Did you guys know that most people who start their own business believe that they have to work 16-hour days to be successful? When actually that is not true. It fully depends on how you are most effective. But we don't take that time to think about how are we most effective because we see other people glorifying that. And that's what we consume. Okay. So I realized that what I am consuming is hurting me. I have this rule of thumb that I, I got from somebody else while I was taking their course. His name's Ali Abdal. He taught me how to do YouTube. Um, he said... Just think about it. The content you consume today, the conversations you have today are going to be your thoughts three months from now. Yeah. So if what you're consuming is someone that says, oh, I worked 48 hours a day and he tells you this all the time, you're going to think that the key to your happiness, to your success is to work 48 hours a day. And when I realized that that's not true, that what you really need to take into account is your current situation and what it actually takes to where you want to go. And if you don't know that, talk to people who've been in your situation and then made it happen. That's when I realized, okay, what I'm thinking, what I've been taught is what's stopping me from achieving what I want to. So that's what I need to battle, right? I'm, I am 100% sure and I'm not scientific about this aspect, that we are by nature, we are by nature polarized to be happy, to be content, to be comfortable, because that's how our brain conserves energy. Yeah. Right? And we, we by nature, we want to conserve energy. It's not because we're lazy. It's because our body's trying to be efficient because it has a lot of work to do. But if we understand that, and if we understand that we, should, we can stop looking outward for a while and start looking inward, we'll realize that the biggest disabling factor is what you do. And what leads to what you do is what you think. Yeah. And so my fire first priority when I realized that was getting what I think into order of serving me to become the person who I want to be. And my goal is really simple, but complex to, I think, 
because that's my perspective right now. My goal is very simple, but I still think that the delivery of that goal is very complex. I want to create a world where living with a disability does not define if you're able to travel on your own or to have a successful job. I want to live in a world where the only barrier that exists is that we haven't thought about it yet. Mm. But in order to do that, I need to change how this this script works, this automated thing, these things that we don't consciously think about. And so that's what I what I realized when we when we write. And so my rule of thumb is like life is 10% what happens to you and 90% what you do with it. Because it's what you do with it that creates your beliefs. And that's it. That's really powerful. And I guess say since we've met, I've become a lot more aware of these situations like we've had a lot of discussions about these different topics and and obviously you've done content with uh, a few of my friends and it is it's uh, so much of it is built up within our heads of our views of ourselves of what's possible when actually some of that is changeable if that makes sense but yeah. um on the note that because i heard you mentioned there obviously you wanted to um travel and you also wanted to have a successful career do you think that enough's being done to support uh, to support disabled people getting into like work and finding their fulfilling job roles and what they actually want to do or do you think there's definitely more that we can do because i know we've spoken about at length how difficult it was for us coming out of school college um getting our first jobs and getting our foot in the door because of our conditions Let, let's be honest here and no matter what situation in the world more can be done Right. The question that I like to ask myself is why isn't it being done? Right. Mm-hmm. I think that that's and and if I'm wrong here, correct me. And we'll go back to your original question. Right. But um, the the reason why I say that is like if we take a moment to understand why and what what factors actually control these aspects, right? And what is in our control and what is outside of our control. When we think about like career and jobs, I'm not telling you guys anything new that it's difficult for people with disability based on various different circumstances. There might be a job out there that you want to do, but you know, you still haven't found a way to physically do it. But that's becoming more and more less relevant because there's so many opportunities of people to do things online that don't require a lot of things. Right? If you can use a laptop with voice to, voice to text, you've already won. Right? The, then we come back to the fundamental issue of what we're actually fighting. It's only been up to, and don't quote me on this, I'm still doing the research, up to 45 years that like, in most of the world, we're considered first-class citizens as well. Wow. Right? So, so think about that for a second. Like, if we, if we go way, way back into the old ages, and this is important to the point I'm about to make, people with disability were seen as people who in their previous life had done something evil and are being, are being punished for that now, mm. right? That's one of the perspectives people had. Another perspective was that, um, that uh, people with disability had special gifts like they were prophets and all kinds of stuff like that, right? There's a multitude of explanations people had back in the day. Yeah, when yeah. We didn't have science, right? <laughs> yep. But think about that. Think about that. So we're still evolving 
we're still evolving from a society that thinks that the norm is being healthy and that everything else is you're sick and you need to get well. You're yeah. a liability. Yeah. That's the main thing that we're fighting right now. It's not that you're not worth it. It's not that you can't do it. It's a belief that we've been, like I said before, it's a passive script that's been written that most people aren't even aware of. And so the real problem here is self-awareness to a bias. The lack of self-awareness to a bias. The best thing that we can do to change that is to document our lives and show, lead by example, that that's bullshit nowadays. Yeah. It's bullshit because, yes, there are things that we physically can't do. We have to accept that until there is a better solution to it. But it's not going to stop us because because of our limitations, we are more creative in finding solutions. Yeah. Right. So if we can illustrate, if we can illustrate by documenting, by proving not only to ourselves first, because that's the first person we need to prove it to is ourselves that we're worth worth a damn because it's about how we feel with ourselves when we're by ourselves. I'm going to elaborate on that one real quick because if you don't feel good when you're by yourself with yourself and you try to get a job or you try to get a date, how is someone supposed to love you, appreciate you, respect you if you don't respect yourself? Yeah. It's true. Because you're going to always sell yourself short. Yeah. Yeah. So the first step is documenting your life, showing yourself that it's possible, having proof that you can always go back to when you have a shitty day and say, look at all the shit I've already achieved. Because the brain is not for keeping information. It's for processing solutions. So document your life. The second thing that we can do that was within our control is to develop skills that are valuable for people. And I'm not talking about like that you need to serve someone like you're a servant or a slave. I'm talking about skills that are valuable for a community to help a community grow, to help a business grow, to help you grow, to help other people grow, right? Because if you think about it, one of the limiting beliefs that people have around disability is that we're less able to do something and therefore, our work will be less of quality. And therefore, we'll be more of a di liability. And therefore, we'll be a, and I'm being very harsh here, waste of money. Yeah. Right? Because it's a more of an invest than it is a benefit. And that's how a capitalistic world thinks at the moment. So the first step in what we can do and what we can control is how we live our lives. Right. Yeah. That's what we can do. The second thing we can do, and this is something we can do together, is understanding where these beliefs are coming from and replacing them with better ones. So if that means that, like, we have people and that doesn't mean that you. So that doesn't mean that you you go head on at someone and you yell at them and tell them that they're a fucking ableist and that uh, they have no respect for you and so on. That doesn't help anybody. But it starts with conversations that lead to actions. So, for example, it could be the question, hey, 
why aren't there more ramps in the city so that I can access the store? And then the person says, well, we don't have any budget to invest into that. And then the goal is to find something that you both agree on. You both agree on that businesses value customers because customers bring money to businesses, right? So if we both agree on that, how can we construct a project that brings you the value that you're looking for, which is a whole new audience, and me the value of being able to get in the goddamn store whenever I want to? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, we can start with a simple project. Step one, we, we, we talk to a company that develops ramps. Step two, we talk to the city that wants more people in the city to have economic growth. Step three, we talk to the business owners who want more customers. And then we go from there and we say, how can we put the solution, which is more ramps, what do we need to do to make that possible? Yeah. And then people, instead of fighting each other, their brains automatically start looking for an answer to that question yeah. because it's within their interest, right? So going back to how do we solve the problem, the real problem of people not having jobs, it's a, it's a three-part conversation, man. It's a three-part conversation that it starts with us because people that don't have a disability don't understand what the fuck is going on. So we need to learn to communicate and show. It continues with by showing, showing that there's more opportunities than people think and communicating in a way that is value-based instead of hate-based. Yeah. And number three, over-spamming proof by documenting our process and just sharing that online. And the last thing is understanding who to go to first. Don't go to someone who's a complete extremist, right? Or who's, who's grown up in an environment where there were no disabled people. Go to a company that specifically says, hey, we are looking to hire diverse. Go to a company that you believe in. Sell them on you and not on the skills that you have. Yeah, but I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but that was no, 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 that's fine. Um, no, I was just saying it's like really interesting how everything sort of links in with education and perspective. I've just come to the realization that literally everything is down to perspective and education that we've been talking about today. Interestingly, on that note, I wanted to ask you your thoughts on something. So, I was having a conversation with a friend uh, the other day, and we both came to the conclusion like, oh, see, as a disabled employee. We often feel like we have to work that much harder to to prove our worth, if you like. So, like, almost as this like subconscious thought in the back of our heads, like, oh, if if all should fail in the business, the disabled ones are the first ones to go. So, there's this whole complex of like, no, we've got to prove our point, got to prove our worth. What's your what's your view on that? Okay, so I've never, I don't remember working a corporate job. So uh, my thoughts on this is like people work with me because they want to work with me, right? Um, and so that's why I, I focus on the fact of saying that like, yes, I 100% believe that, but that comes from our insecurities. That comes from people telling us our whole lives and from the experiences that we have that we're always treated differently, right? We're always treated like a liability, like someone that needs help, right? 
And so if you think about it like that, it's not actually useful thinking that you have to work harder because the goal is not to work harder. The goal is to provide value. And no company is going to kick you out if you're providing them value that is essential to what they're doing. If you're doing a job that can be done by everybody the way, and you're doing it how everybody could do it, yeah, anybody could be replaced. It doesn't matter if you're disabled or not. But if what you're doing is you're contributing to not only the companies, you're not only doing your job, but you're going and you're doing things that provide value to the company as a culture, to the company as a business, to the company as uh, a friend or an employee that just fucking enjoys his job. They have no reason to let you go. Yeah. Because they would be letting go of their most valuable assets. Right. So I think from, from, from be, being disabled side or living with a disability side, you need to get out of your head that working hard is the solution to prove that you're worth it. To going to what are tangible things that I can do with which with within objective truths, my value can be measured regardless. Right? Yeah. Because the by saying that we need to work harder because we have a disability or we work harder because we have a disability, we are buying into that belief that people with disability are worth less, which is not true. Yeah. Remember, the only difference that there is between someone who has a disability and doesn't is that the way we live is different. But what we do is all the same. We all want to be happy. We all want to have a career. We all want to be approved. We all want to fall in love with someone. We all at some point want some type of family. If that's just having a dog in the house and, and a girlfriend, great. But we all want to be appreciated. Yeah. And if we understand that, we can stop focusing on what's the difference and under, start focusing on what can we do differently to achieve the same or better results. Yeah. It's true. It's, it, there is so much to do, I think, with the people's perspectives of themselves. I think a lot of the conversation we've just had, it's all around. Like even after, so I, I asked that question because I was sitting here thinking, oh my God, so much of the discussion I had with that friend is all down to the psychological way that we think of ourselves, the opinions we have of ourselves. And so much of it's like, inside us it's quite weird to now have that realization as myself and hoping that you guys at home are having the the sort of same reaction of going oh my god so much of this is introspective i think is the word um but then sort of flipping the script a little bit uh i wanted to get your thoughts on obviously we've got very similar senses of humor in terms of the first thing we do is take the piss out of ourselves i mean you've heard you've heard Andre use the word retard about 15,000 times in this episode and I must admit that is a common common term that both of us use with each other um so what's your views on obviously there are some people in the cyber community that view sort of this culture of taking the mick out of ourselves as a negative thing because it almost gives the power to the able-bodied people to use that term as well whereas it's quite a I feel like it's a quite a closed off circle. It's kind of like if you're in the circle, you can make the joke. If you're not in the circle, you can't make the joke. But like, what's what's your what's your views on like? Obviously, it's hard because I understand people's perspectives, but then it's almost it's like a coping mechanism for individuals like us. We we use it to sort of 
showed ourselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, let, let, let's, take, let's take the disability out of the equation real quick. When you go and you tell a joke to someone, right, and you're, you're telling jokes and, and, you know, we everybody tells all kinds of different jokes. And there's some people who get the joke and there's other people that don't get the joke. But what it all boils down to is how do you feel about yourself? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm coming back to that because it's the truth. Because if you're not comfortable with yourself, you're going to take a personal pet peeve when somebody makes a joke about something that you're not comfortable about. It's regardless if you have a disability, if you're black, if you're pregnant, if you're married. If you're not comfortable with something, you're going to always have a pet peeve about it, right? Hmm. Here's the thing. I think that jokes are a natural way of human beings coping with stereotypes. And that's all it is. It's a stereotype. It doesn't define who you are. Your reaction to it is what defines who you are. Yeah. Right? So I, I fucking love them because they're the best icebreakers out there. Yeah. Right? Because most people, they don't, most people don't experience disability in their daily lives. So all they know are the stereotypes. Yeah. And when you start by letting them know, look, this is a conversation we can have so that you're comfortable so that you know that that like there's no taboo here. Yeah. Because when we have those conversations and people realize, oh, a disability doesn't mean that this person isn't a person with a personality. It doesn't mean it's a person that's not likable. It doesn't mean that he can't have a great time. But if we don't, if we're not open and carefree about it, and don't get me wrong, I understand if it's a difficult thing to cope with at the moment, Especially if you're, I'm, I'm going to use a stupid word here, freshly disabled. Like if you just <laughs> had an accident. I know it's difficult to cope with what you've lost. Mm. But here's something that I promise you. The more you can normalize the conversation for yourself and others, the quicker you'll accept it. Yeah. Because you'll realize that these are just circumstances, but they don't define who you are. Again, what you do with your circumstances defines who you are. And when I'm talking about what you do, I'm talking about the actions that you take. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So did that answer your question? Yeah, it did. It, it, I no, more? it did. It just shows as well like how we both have very similar beliefs. Because as you said, as you, you put there, I, I use it as an icebreaker. When I meet people, the first thing I'll do is find some way of wangling in a disabled joke purely again is that to as you say it's to put them at ease and go look we can have this discussion because you can 90 percent of us with disability you've always sat there with a member that's able-bodied that then never met you before and you can see the questions whirring in their head that they want to ask you but they don't know whether they can or or, or whether they should so it's 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 i think as i say a lot of people use it as a tactic they use the comedy to, to make that conversation easier. And it's the whole thing of getting comfortable. It's, the, it's a hard one because we're, we're both very comfortable with our conditions. So we, we will just make jokes about it. But then, as you say, as someone with, new to the disability world, only just had their accident happen or something happen that's meant that they're, they're now a, a, have a disability, it's really hard for them to then create that view. But then I think it comes from... It's like a level of acceptance 
And then again, the hardest thing I find with this is because I completely understand the other side of things in terms of like, it's your prerogative, whether you want to be that open, that honest about your condition, because that's what you are comfortable with. I think the hardest thing I find with it is by being closed, in my opinion, by being closed off in in that way. So let's say for, for argument's sake, let's say you meet my alter ego and uh, and they are quite cold and abrupt about their condition and they don't want to talk about it. Uh, and and that's, that's the way that this person has portrayed themselves to this able-bodied individual. My view is if then I, someone like me comes along, they aren't even going to attempt to have the conversation with me because they've already met you and they've made their assumption in their head of, I can't bring up this topic because the last time I tried to, this happened. And then where it's actually, I'm completely different, I would have happily sat there and had the conversation. So I think by my opinion is by me having the conversation with that individual, I'm automatically educating them to then make them more comfortable to make to have those conversations with other people, that thus learning more about disability and figuring out how the fuck this shit works. And also that we're not actually that different. We're not aliens. We just, as you say, we do things slightly different and the way that we live is slightly different. But again, it's that whole thing of like we mentioned earlier, it's that lack of exposure. Most 90% of people don't meet disabled people on a day-to-day basis. Like I can say comfortably that my parents wouldn't know fuck all about disability if it wasn't for me. And I think, I don't know, what's, I mean, we both see, see very similar, uh, see, see very similarly on this topic. But yeah, what is your view on like how we combat the whole, the people that are comfortable talking about versus the people that are, are, are still getting to that stage or don't agree with having those discussions in the, that open environment? And how do we find a happy medium? Because I've always felt like it's almost a bit of a them and us culture when it shouldn't be. Yeah, Let, let's take that out of the equation because that's not really the case. What I think it really is is that we're all at different stages. Right. Let's let's take. I'm making a gross assumption here. Again, anybody who has a different opinion, feel free to reach out and tell me your opinion and tell me why. I'm always open to learn. Um, but I think that if we look at the people who are not, who are not at that stage yet to be comfortable to talk about their disability. I think it comes from this belief that they believe that there's something wrong with them. Right. That having a disability is something wrong. That having a disability means that you're different and that's something bad. Having a disability means that you're a liability, all kinds of blah, 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 blah. It comes from this place of pain, right, mm. to oversimplify it. And whenever somebody talks about something that you're sensitive about from a place of pain, from a place of sadness, from a place of anger, your reaction is understandable, right? So I think what we can do on one side is create content like we're creating right now to help people understand that if you've had this experience that someone is very cold about talking about their disability, understand it's coming from a place where they've been through a lot of shit or someone else told them that um, having a disability or being different is, is a bad thing or having to do things differently. Try to be normal as much as possible. Someone's told them that, right? And so everything that makes them feel a little bit different will be something that they get aggressive about, get cold about, and just come from that place of empathy and understanding that this doesn't reflect 
every other person that you're going to meet. Yeah. But much rather, it's an opportunity for you to learn other things about this person. Yeah, and I also, and whenever, I also think you, you take maybe a good approach for some. It's hard because obviously, if if you it's it's saying as a disabled individual, you almost need the able-bodied individual to use that experience of meeting that quote unquote cold person as an opportunity of like, okay, you can meet. There are people like this that exist that have this belief system and have this way of viewing things, but this do, this doesn't define the the I don't know disabled community if you like it, they but how do you how do you create that belief because it could be their first exposure to that if that makes sense yeah and I'm going to tell you something like everybody's first exposure is like oh this is the world this is how it is right? yeah this is how it's going to be so the only thing that I would say is like you know have that first exposure and then every time you have a new exposure question it right because i don't fault anyone because I, we do the same thing let's let's move the topic whenever like what's something that you've recently done that was totally new to you uh travel independently there's, a, there's a, on topic on brand I, I, <laughs> um yeah travel independently which i don't very do very often i've probably done once or twice so there you go okay so now you have a specific idea of how it's done right and now when someone comes and tries to tell you, oh, you could do this and this and this too, your first reaction is, oh, I already know about that because I've already done it, Yeah. right? So understanding that we all have that innate bias to be right because that's part of our ego, that's what makes it difficult to have new experiences. That's what makes it difficult for someone to have an experience and then say, you know what? This was just this moment, this experience with this person. Yeah. It doesn't define all the other experiences. If we want to take uh, an experience a lot more people that can relate to, and I'm just going to be over dramatic here. Yeah. Let's talk about having your first relationship go bad. You know how you take that with you and you say, oh, every other relationship, you're kind of yeah. careful because you're like, yeah. it could go bad. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's a, that's a package you take with because you decide this experience is how it is. But I understand it because it's the only reference point you have, which is why I'm saying is like, always look for more reference points. Yeah. If you've had a bad first experience, have that experience again, as long as it's not life threatening. <laughs> have that again. You know what I mean? Just a quick disclaimer there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't but, do it if you're going to die. Yeah. It's like, have that experience again. And then, but ask yourself. Was it really as bad as it was before? Yeah. Right? Like one of the most beautiful things in this world is having a relationship. Having friendships, having colleagues, having a loved one. But we love to fuck it up for ourselves because we're like, the past is president. The past is Kaiser Sose. But that's not true. The past is an experience. It is not this moment. It doesn't define this next moment you can only ask yourself what has happened to learn from it but truly learn from it and then what is happening to understand how is this situation different and then the most important question actively asking yourself and deciding what am i going to do next 
because it's what you do that defines the situation. Again, I, I, I know we're always coming back to that circle, but I realize that it, it's, it's what it's based on. No, it's, a, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of, like I say, a lot, so much of which we've covered, it does. It, every time I'm like, I, I see it happening, I'm like, Andre is going back there, he's going back there, and he's there. Um, but you're completely, yeah, and, yeah. you're completely right. Like it's um, it's nothing against, like it's nothing against you. It, it it's eye opening for me because I'm like, oh my god, like I've never even realized this before. Um, but yeah, literally, so much of it is perspective and the way that people think. And like I think, I know I've never come to this conclusion before of like you you it's almost like when you try like you know the, have you heard the whole theory of like if you don't like a food try it five times and then you if uh you'll you'll develop liking it have you ever heard that before yeah yeah i have i have so it's that whole thing of like keep trying keep talking to different disabled people keep gaining their perspectives and then formulate your opinion don't take one person Including including me and you. Don't so don't listen to this podcast and go, okay, what well, Andre and Charlie said is gospel. Like we I am not a genius. I never quote to be one. But if you are I mean if you are calling me one, I appreciate it. <laughs> just give me a second. If you do take it as gospel, you know, let's go the whole way. Don't forget to leave donations. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> 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 um, but like as I say, it's that whole thing of like keep talking to different people, and like, like I say, my what we've just expressed is our personal views, and I'm always very con- just to make that very clear whenever I bring this topic up because I, it, I'm very conscious of like our beliefs come across as like it's we are right and they are wrong, and it's like no, it's just how do we bridge that gap so that we can make that education process about disability more smooth, and then that way making able-bodied people's lives easier because they're not worrying about oh my god i'm going to offend this individual making our lives easier because people would have more understanding of disabilities and and what that entails and what support they may need and how to approach those conversations thus making the community better making people's lives better and just making the world better in general obviously this is a very mammoth task and like we're not going to get there tomorrow if we were i wouldn't be sitting here that's for sure um but yeah it's so much of like just gain people's different perspectives and also i think as well like if you're listening to this as a disabled person i think and i'm guilty of this as well consider other people's perspectives and try and collate that into yours so you can get a better understanding of the community itself anyway um, because I, I've been guilty of that. It's like you are, you often go into this hole of like, this is my belief, this is what I believe, and, and that's right, and I'm never changing that. But you need to try and take a step back and go, actually, eh, there might be some flaws in my arguments. I need to reconsider and reevaluate. But that's, again, that's something I've come to quite recently because I was sort of a, in that camp of like, oh, I, I, I'm over here, and this is my belief. And but then it's talking, having these conversations, and have talking to different guests and their views that then mean hopefully that I'm educating the listeners, Andre. I'm educating myself, and then making everyone better because I think that's what we need to strive for. We need to strive for stop pushing people down and and making them worried about having the conversation. And let's just have the conversation. Then it's out in the open. It's out in the open. People can formulate their own opinions. 
But that's just, I mean, I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing, one powerful thing that I don't know if I'm able to formulate 100% that I realized is like, I stopped trying to educate, help people, like educate slash help, slash open eyes, slash make their lives better. I stopped trying to do that. And the reason why is because I cannot influence that. The only thing that I can do is I can go out in search of new information. I can educate myself. Those are things that I can control and I can share my journey. What people do with that information is up to them. If in the process, people find things that help them be better in quote unquote their own terms, great. But I no longer look at things as being better, good or bad. I just look at things as like, does it serve me or does it not, right? Because at the end of the day, let's say you say three years down the line, okay, you don't want to be a podcaster anymore. Okay, you don't want to be a YouTuber anymore. All the habits that you've built up no longer serve you in the exact capacity that they have before, right? Sure, there will be a transfer of knowledge to other jobs, to other hobbies, but they will not serve you the same way they are now. So if you stop viewing it as good or bad, but just as a decision that you've made, you become free, right? Because the only, if you focus only on what you can influence, I realized while I still am in the process of giving a lot of shit about people, like I, I love people, I want them to succeed, I realized I'm doing what I can influence and they will always do what's in their best interest from their perspective. So from that, I just need to focus on continuously doing that. And people will come and people will go, right? People will agree, people will disagree. But at the end of the day, I've showed up for myself and that's the most important part. Because by showing up for myself, I put myself in a position to be able to work with people that make a difference because they choose to, not because I've convinced them to. And I think that that's the most important thing. And that, that is like the most beautiful thing about doing, documenting your journey, right? You don't owe anybody anything, right? Yeah. That's like the, the most beautiful thing. That's really yeah. powerful. That is, I've never, uh, yeah. That's a really good point, really good point. And it's again, I feel like I do so much learning whenever I speak to Andre, even like, before we went live, we had a conversation and I'm always just learning because I feel like you have, you've learned so much and because you're only 27, right? I'm turning, you're making me older than I am <laughs> and I'm turning 27. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad. So like, but, but then yeah. like it almost feels like whenever we've spoke, you, you've gained so much wisdom and I feel like as well, like a lot of that, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like a lot of that's come in a, quite a short space of time. Hell yeah, really, really short space of time. Uh, but I think, you know, the fastest way I learn is when some something punches me in the face. And <laughs> since life doesn't give you anything, it consistently, what it does give you is a lot of punches in the face. And so we've built a, uh, I would say, uh, a, a love-hate relationship. Like, it loves giving me punches. I hate receiving them, so I learn quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. That's a really good way of looking at it. So just... Yeah. Just to um, finish off, I ask this question to all of our guests. 
uh, particularly the the disabled ones, because they can get they have uh, they have the their views on this. What's one thing? It doesn't have to be disability related. It could be business related. It could be anything. What's one piece of like politically correctness that either drives you crazy or you really strongly agree with? Like you have either really think this needs changing or you think no, this is brilliant and this is why. Okay, there's there's a lot of things, but I'm gonna try to narrow it down to one. And I think that it's, uh, and we've touched on it multiple times throughout this podcast, probably because of my bias towards it. Um, but one thing is we need to stop talking about differences, right? We need to stop trying to find a way to label something so that people feel better about it, right? Um, the best example I love to take and the one that we can specifically talk about for the disabled community is the change of the name from disability to a person with differences or a differently abled person. Like those names, they don't help anyone. They literally do not help anyone and they don't change the way we think about disability and they don't change the opportunities that we have. What I would much rather we focus on is understanding what physical barriers exist and how we can create technology or other solutions to eliminate them. I think Corona has done a great job of doing that for us as an example. Like, don't get me wrong, I hate Corona. It's taken a lot of my friends from me, but there's some good from it. And that is that it's shown us that working at an office is completely ridiculous. And as a person with a disability, whom which commutes are difficult, having the privilege and the the possibility to work from at home, to use the the little energy that we sometimes have to be able to just do the work we want to do from getting up out of bed, or sometimes you know if you if you really feel like it, not getting up out of bed, um, and and staying in your jammies all day, that is hardcore proof that it doesn't really matter how physically able you are, you can still get the job done, right? And so we need more things like that. We need more things that just, you know, that just prove without a doubt, without words, that the most things that we're worried about is bullshit. And that's my thought on it. I hope that answers uh, your question. Yeah, brilliant. It was really good. And, like, it comes back to what we spoke about earlier of, like, let's focus less energy on the labels that we give and how to make the community more accessible for everyone. Like, let's focus on – I almost always – portray it as, and maybe this is the best way to word it, like, let's focus on the big problems. Let's focus on the ones that actually, instead of what, what people are calling us, what, what we want to be known by, and these little topics, let's focus on the big ones that are actually causing us day-to-day struggles. Like you say, with the whole working from home thing, there was an entire discussion that took place within the same community of, like, why the fuck has it taken a, a, a virus that, not like you just said, I, I, I hate the thing. It's been a nightmare, but it's been a blessing in terms of showing businesses that this whole working from home thing is possible and it's making disabled people's lives so much easier. And to give you a first person account, I got declined. So when I, I was telling Andre the other day, when I first left school, um, so I wanted to go, when I was looking for my first job, I was applying for loads of different jobs, got declined from about 47 job roles. Nothing to do with my CV, nothing to do with my experience, what qualifications I had, all purely for the fact of them going, right, okay, we can't actually get you into the building. So me trying to be 
take the initiative and think, okay, how can I come around this problem? Similar to the discussions we've been having today, I would go, okay, why don't we suggest working from home? To which 95% of the businesses I applied for respond with saying, oh, you're too young, you're only 18, we can't trust you to do the work, we don't know how to train people from home. We, we for, So for that reason, we're just going to have to stop, like, stop this interview altogether and you're going to have to try again. Obviously, you can imagine the psychological effect that had on me in terms of applying for jobs. It was extremely difficult time in my life. But like, and then all of a sudden this happens and it's all fixed. But it's like, why can't, I think the whole world needs to become better at problem solving. That's the conclusion I've come to. It's like, let's just fix the problems that we have. And and obviously we're not going to solve those tomorrow, but let's just be open to the possibility of different ideas. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with that. Completely, let's fix the big problems. I think is what I'm gonna finish my bit on. Do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, just one one last thing, and I'll try to keep it short. But I think it's something really, really. I I love like I'm trying not to be in love with my perspective shifts, but this is one that I I realized, and I was like, God damn it! If I would have known this sooner, um, and that is that we need to folk. What we need to change is the way that we educate ourselves. And let me be more specific with that. A lot of people living with a disability are waiting for someone to save them because we're treated like we have a sickness. Whereas when when people say, for example, oh, no, we can't make things more accessible because that'll take so many resources and it's it's not within the interest of the of the bigger public. I say, you know, that, that that's actually the solution, because at the end of the day, we need to solve our own problems. Right. So, yes. How do we solve the problem of 85 percent, 80 to 85 percent of the disabled people being unemployed? Well, disabled people need to start doing businesses. How do we make disabled people start doing businesses? Well, it starts with what they believe. Right. If you don't believe you can do something of value, you're not going to create a business, let alone be an entrepreneur. If you've never seen a disabled entrepreneur, you're never going to be fucking thinking about being an entrepreneur. If uh, if. you want to get into a store, but you can't get in the store. Don't wait for the fucking government to, to, to build a ramp. Take, take fucking Legos and figure something out, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Like, be, serve yourself first. And in serving yourself, you're going to help yourself. And by helping yourself, you're going to help others. And the added benefit for a lot of people is when you solve a problem, you become known as the person that solves the problem. And... Yeah, that's what I want to leave it with, right? There's a lot more we can go on, but I mean, if you invite me again, if you've enjoyed me, if your audience enjoys me, let's expand more on that. Yeah, yeah? definitely, definitely. Right, it's come to the end of the podcast, which I always give my guests a chance to pluck themselves, whatever the fuck they're doing, whether they're writing a book, whether they're jumping off of a cliff, whatever. Just, yeah, here's your opportunity to plug away. What are you working on? What do you want the people to know? Know you for? Where can they find you? If they want to find out more. So concerning what I'm working on, I'm trying to get better at, you know, documenting my process, still battling my fear of, you know, doing everything right in front of the camera. But what I'm specifically working on right now is, uh, um, you know, working with companies and with people to, number one, connect people with disability, with skills to companies that need those skills. And of course, 
to uh, document the process of making travel more accessible. So if there's anything that you want to contribute to, if there's any place that you think I should travel to, or if there's any skills that you might have that can contribute to this journey of online posting, connecting to businesses, developing b better HR schedules, uh, and, and onboarding processes for people with disability within companies, reach out to me and let's have a chat. Let's, let's start solving our problems together, right? Because at the end of the day, I think that that's one of the added benefits that we have is we know what it's like to suffer. So let's solve problems together. It's not a competition. It's about making our lives easier. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. I felt like it was a great conversation. And like it's, it's, I say it's made me realize a lot. I think hopefully I've added some value to yourself as well. Hopefully the whole thing added value to the guests. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We will definitely do an episode two um, because there's so much left that we, we often have discussions off, off air. We have so many discussions. So like we could sit here for hours, but I'm very conscious that the guests are probably on the way to work, listening to this and don't want to sit there for four hours listening to us just talk to each other. Um, like I said, don't make decisions for people. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, okay. Thank you very much. And we're, yeah, we'll definitely do another episode. But hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe. And also leave us any reviews or drop me a message if you want to see certain guests. Just give me a shout and we'll sort it out. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Quite Podcast. Please make sure you follow us on TikTok and Instagram to get regular updates about the podcast.